Let's pray as we start. Our Father, we thank you for all of your providences uh, in our lives. You've you've promised us that uh, no good thing will you withhold uh, from your people. We don't always feel feel the the truth of that, Lord, but we can still hear that promise. We can still hear your commitment toward us. And we're, we're very grateful for, for that. Lord, we, we thank you for Janine's mom that, that she is uh, doing better uh, after this surgery to relieve the pressure on her brain. Oh, Lord, we pray that, that you'll use these things to cement your relationship, her relationship, Lord, with you, that, that she would uh, think a little deeper about how how we can be reconciled, Lord, to you. Thank you for the Dalbys uh, caring for her. Lord, we pray for Marge. Uh, Marge Hafman, we miss her. She's been in this class for so many years. And Lord, I thank you for Linda, as Linda's been ministering to Marge and in various ways uh, to help our, our dear sister, so we ask that you make your presence known to, to Marge, and uh, <clears throat> we thank you for her example, and ask you to bless Dave and Victoria. They've done so much to, to care for Marge as, as if she were their own mother, and we praise you and thank you for how you work in our body, and uh, <clears throat> we ask that you keep us faithful, uh, committed to you, not ashamed of the gospel. And Lord, not ashamed to confess you uh, to both uh, friend and foe. So, Lord, as we see how you built your church, uh, beginning uh, so quickly, uh, beginning on the day of Pentecost, it's exciting. We know you can do the same. And we thank you that your gospel has spread all around this globe, uh, even to Phoenix, Arizona, in uh, 2024. And that you will build your church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against uh, you doing that. So we thank you for that. Thank you for making us part of that, Lord. Uh, we're not grateful enough. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What do you mean, Thelma? <laughs> so... Um, we're beginning here on the on the book of Acts, which is a much history, history of the early church and how it got founded and the things that Jesus, uh, continuing the things that Jesus began to do. We studied that expression last week. <clears throat> and we looked at the history of the text last week, uh, how we got the book of Acts, who wrote it, when, when perhaps it was written, who was Theophilus, and those, uh, those kinds of subjects. We have a timeline. I have it up there on, on, the, on the screen there for you. Uh, we'll develop this timeline as we go. But the period we're studying here is the early church in Jerusalem. And that period is somewhere just around two years. Um, I'm going to refine that date a little more when I have a little more time. But Saul's conversion was about two years after the resurrection. 
And uh, so all of these events happened before that. And right now I just have a period there of 33 A.D. to 35. It's the first seven, seven chapters of Acts. And this is the early, early church in Jerusalem. And uh, chapter 8 is when the persecution created by Saul begins. And chapter 7 is when Stephen is stoned. And that seems to trigger a full-blown persecution led by Saul. And that's around a year, perhaps 35, about two years. So everything we're studying here the next few weeks of the infant church is taking place very rapidly, taking place like in two years. And that's just kind of amazing when we see how much takes place. And in the church of Jerusalem, you know, that it could have been eight or 10,000 people by then, okay? We know those two conversion accounts where we have 2,000 and 3,000, so that's 5,000. And we read these other accounts as their believers are continually being added to their number. So after a few years, we have a very large, large church in Jerusalem, and we have all 12 apostles <laughs> ministering in Jerusalem as well as, as many others. So it's just, it's just explosive uh, growth after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so we'll, we'll, we'll follow the chart here. Tonight we're going to talk about the 10 days before Pentecost. Uh, after Jesus ascended, there were 10 days between Jesus' ascension and the day of Pentecost. What does pent mean? Five. So how many days was it? It was, well, I mean, from the, uh, uh, from the Passover to the Pentecost. 50 days, right? And the reason, why do we know it's only 10 days in this period of the upper room we're studying tonight? Why do we know that? Why, why can I say it's 10 days? That's right. Jesus, uh, Luke tells us in, he makes a passing reference in Acts chapter 1. That's the only place that it is. He, he throws that in there. Uh, whom he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days. That's, that's our only time reference. But we know Pentecost comes in 50 days. So, so this period of in the upper room and so forth is 10 days. So the things we're studying tonight all take place in, in 10 days. Right? So give you some uh, uh, just kind of a timeline. It helps to have a sense of time uh, um, on these things. So... Um, so that'll be our focus tonight, those 10 days and the calling of Matthias uh, during, during those. And on page 269, uh, just a word or two about the significance of the book of Acts. The, it occupies a very important place in the structure of the New Testament because Acts is the sequel to the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we call those the synoptic gospels. And Acts is the sequel to those synoptic gospels. It shows us Jesus proceeding to establish his church. You know, he said that when he commissioned Peter 
uh, there in, in Acts chapter 16, he, and he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so the book of Acts shows Jesus Christ doing exactly that. And the persecution arises very quickly, and all that does is cause the gospel to be scattered abroad the whole, the whole place. And so the book of Acts shows us the fulfillment of those things. The other thing that it shows us, and this is kind of a theological point, and we might stress it next week a bit, is that God's people are now Jesus' people. When you read the whole Old Testament, there's what? The people of God or the assembly. You, and it's a great covenant promise, right? I will be your God and you shall be my people. Well, when we get into the book of Acts and after the Son is ascended, God's people are now Messiah's people, Jesus' people. Okay? And that becomes somewhat controversial because if you're not, if you don't belong to Jesus, you are not one of God's people any longer. And where that gets controversial has to do with unbelieving ethnic Jewish people. Are unbelieving ethnic Jewish people God's people when they're not Jesus' people? I would say no. Okay? And that's the transition from Old Covenant, Mosaic Covenant, to New Covenant. In order to be one of God's people, you have to be in the covenant. And what happens to unbelieving Israel is they are put outside the covenant because of the rejection of their Messiah. And once again, that is illustrated in Romans 11 by what? What in Romans 11 illustrates what I've just said? Well, the broken off branches. The broken off branches. There's that tree in Romans 11 and a transition from old covenant to new is everybody in the new covenant must have faith in the Messiah. If you reject and don't have faith in the Messiah, you are not in the new covenant. And that's the, and the, the, the broken off branches of the tree in Romans 11. Now, how the Gentiles are grafted in by faith. Now, those Jewish people who are no longer in the covenant, they can be grafted back in. Okay? And that's why the gospel must be preached to them. And God wants the gospel preached to all Jewish people everywhere, just like everybody. And those Jewish people who had this Jewish heritage, uh, they can be grafted back in, but only by believing in Christ. So what we're seeing in the book of Acts is we're seeing the formation of God's new covenant people. And we're going to see that that includes Jews and Gentiles. Is, is what we're going to see. And so the book of Acts is extremely significant for also, though, where are God's people? Who are God's people? Who is included? The believing Jews are included and the believing Gentiles are included. Okay? Without distinction. <clears throat>
and we'll highlight some of those things as we go. I have two questions, yeah. um, mostly for clarification for others that may ask. Um, just because you were Jewish in the Old Testament and God's people didn't make you a believer and capable of going on to glory with him, right? That's as correct. was evidence in the wilderness. Right. It made you an inheritor of the earthly promises, but not what the earthly promises pointed to. See, in the Old Covenant, all of that is typological. The promised land, all of those, and those, 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 the promise of the land, that was real. And if you were an ethnic descendant of Abraham and, and you were circumcised, then even if you didn't have faith in Yahweh, you would still inherit the physical land. But you would not inherit the, what the physical land and the topology pointed to. In order to inherit that, you would have to have the faith of Abraham. You'd have to have a living faith in Yahweh himself. Second question. So, um, <clears throat> In the Old Testament... It constantly refers to the Lord as keeping a remnant for himself. Do you see yes. the um, 10,000 or plus or 20,000, whatever it is, as an example of that in the New Covenant that the Lord always preserved Absolutely. A, uh, a people for himself? Absolutely. Even if the whole didn't believe. Yeah. And actually, I'll go one step further um, that the Lord has always reserved even a remnant among the Jewish people. I think I, I think there's promises that say that that among Abraham's physical descendants, he has always promised to reserve some of them. And of course, us Gentiles are are brought into that. But but um, yeah. So uh, and we're seeing the Lord do that right here in the Book of Acts immediately. The Lord wants the gospel preached right there in Jerusalem. Okay. And, 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 we see, and we see him calling many ethnic Jews uh, uh, to faith in Jesus as, as the Messiah. So how do we get off on Oh, I know how we got off on all that, that God's people are now Jesus' people. Jesus' people. All right. <clears throat> and God's assembly is now Jesus' assembly. Uh, so we'll hit those things a little bit. Um, so, yeah, God's chosen people are now identified by their receiving Jesus, uh, their messianic king. And so now also in response to Peter's confession, Jesus said that on this rock I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I've already said that the book of Acts shows us Jesus building his church in the most amazing ways. Acts also provides us a helpful bridge between historical events during the first 30, day, 30 years of the church and Paul's letters. We can, we can connect Paul's letters uh, and even Peter's letters. We can connect that into the history of the church since we have the book of Acts. Uh, there would be significant things about Paul's letters, perhaps, that we would not be able to understand as well if we didn't have the book of Acts. And as we go, we're going to connect the letters. We're going to try to put the letters historically in order. 
In other words, Romans wasn't the first letter written, okay? And I'm not saying our Bible should be put together differently, but, but the books of the New Testament are not in historical order in which they were written. We're going to go through the book of Acts, and we're going to pick those books up the best we can as to when they were written in the middle of this history. And what I can't decide whether we're going to do or not is when we do an overview of a letter, whether we're going to stop at that point in Acts, do the overview of the letter, and then we're going to proceed down until we hit another letter. And do I, I'm not sure. If you want to weigh in on how you'd like us to do that, uh, whether we go all the way through Acts and we just point out when the letters were written, and then we go back and pick up the letters and go through them in order, or whether we intersperse it. Was do, do stop stop marching forward in Acts and do the letter? You know that would be unique. I, I if we did let's okay let's let's try that. Okay, so what's what? Okay, that's why we like Wednesday night. We got a lot of time on Wednesday nights. Well, that'll be it. We, we, well, let's try that and, and see how that uh, helps us grasp all the history of the New Testament church and, and, and the letters. I can assure you that Revelation will be the last <laughs> letter that we do. And, uh, I'm not quite sure which one's going to be the first. It's maybe, maybe Galatians, maybe 1 Thessalonians. Yeah, it's going to be, it's probably going to be one of those two. It's going to be one of the first ones. So, uh, okay, so there's a little bit for us from the trees. Uh, the book of Acts, uh, as it fits into our New Testaments. Um, and let's see. All right, so let's go into those 10 days then. The, the first 10 days were on page 270. Uh, <clears throat> the upper room and the 12, 12 apostles. I'm going to flip over to the to the text here. So uh, they're meeting in the upper room. We're sh- the reason we're starting at verse 12 is we've done the ascension and all of that as part of our uh, gospel study. We took our gospel study up to the point till Jesus ascended. So they returned, verse 12, they are returning from witnessing his ascension in verse 12. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Uh, that's like a half a day's journey, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. So it's possible that this upper room is the same room where they had the Lord's Supper, the last Passover. It's possible that it is that room. Uh, It's possible this is where Jesus' first resurrection appearance to them as a group. Um, And it may be other meetings in the book of Acts have to do with them gathered together in a room. Uh, We we don't know for certain. Uh, We we don't know whether this is the same room. I tend to think at least this first gathering at this point, I I tend to think that's, that's the case, that they've been continuing to use this room for for 40 days, uh, but we, we, we just don't know that. We cannot be certain. <clears throat> now, Acts chapter 1, verse 13, uh, is the fourth list of the apostles in our New Testaments. 
um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give us a list of the apostles. And Luke gives it again. Um, and we studied that list in detail back in chapter 4. And I'm, we're not going to study the list here in detail um, here tonight since we've already done that. <clears throat> I've listed the other passages there if you want to read the list of the apostles' names. Uh, there's a few little details regarding those uh, lists to be worked out, and we did that. Now, <clears throat> the list in Acts chapter 1, 13, and Luke six twelve, and the reason we're comparing those two is they're written by Luke. They're both written by Luke, right? Luke writes the book of Acts. Luke writes the gospel of Luke. So this list we're reading in Acts was uh, written by written by Luke, and only Luke mentions the, the that mentions Judas the son of James as one of the twelve. That's that's unique uh, to to um, Luke here. Let's re- let's read this. Uh, okay, they went up a room. Peter, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas. Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. That's a, that's a unique reference. Only, only Luke mentions that, mentions him. But so many assume that Thaddeus and Judas the son of James are the same individual is, is where this kind of ends up. Uh, Judas was a very, very popular name because of the military hero, Judas Maccabeus. And during the Maccabean revolts, and as they pushed back the, the, the Gentiles defiling the temple, uh, so that was a very, very popular name. That's why there's so many Judases. So, so there were actually, with Judas Iscariot, there were two Judases in the original 12. One was Judas Iscariot, and when, when they refer to the other Judas, the writers say, Judas, not Iscariot. <laughs> we have that references in, in our Bible. So, um, And the other thing that Luke does, and I have no idea why he does that, here he uses the name Peter, whereas in his gospel he uses the name Simon. Okay? So... It might be because Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, okay? And now that we're in the book of Acts, and Peter is the founder, the builder here, he is of, of the church initially, maybe that's why Luke is now using the name. When, when Jesus changed his name, you shall be Peter, upon you I, sh- you, you, sh- upon you I shall build my church, and so forth. So maybe that's why he switches from Simon to Peter uh, in in this list. So I'm reaching, I'm exhausting all the knowledge that I know <laughs> at that point. So um, any questions on that? Okay, we're moving on. So these all, verse 14, these all these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Stop there just for a second. Two things here. One is a a spiritual thing. This phrase we're going to see over and over again in the early church. 
that Luke points out the, the high degree of unity they had initially. Uh, <clears throat> and this is the first reference of it. Uh, they, they continue with one accord. And so what are they doing during those 10 days? Well, they're praying. Okay? They're, they're doing that for 10 days. You know, we, we have one prayer meeting a month. Well, we have a prayer meeting every Sunday morning, actually. Though some, some come to that. And I'd encourage you, if you can come earlier, to, to join us at 8.45. And uh, <clears throat> if we prayed for just 30 minutes, 8.45 to 9.15, if you, it's a blessed time. It kind of gets your whole mind in the right set, and you can pray for God's blessing on our services. And anybody can come. It doesn't matter. Old, young, children, babies, everybody can, everybody can come to, to that time of prayer. So these folks here are are men and women of prayer, and that's what they're doing uh, during, these, during these 10 days, prayer and supplication. Um, the other thing, these right now is a reference, obviously, to the 12, the 11. The 11 are praying there. And then uh, he mentions, uh, Luke mentions, with, uh, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So let's stop here just for a few minutes. This is significant. So um, Jesus' mother Mary, a very significant figure of God's outworking his plan of redemption. (laughs) She's massively significant, of course. We don't pray to her or worship her, but in in God's plan of redemption, she holds an absolute unique place. You know, and one of those redemptive historical events never to be repeated. See, John the Baptist is like that, okay? Uh, John the Baptist in his ministry is a unique redemptive historical event never to be repeated. You're probably thinking, why is he emphasizing that so much? Because so often people take some of these unique historical events never to be repeated and they try to repeat them in the church. An example, apostles. Apostles are a unique historical event for that period in the history never to be repeated. We don't have any more apostles, and we're not going to get any more. So when we're studying our Bible at large... We need, to, we need to understand some of these events are not normative for the existence of the church all the way through the future. They're a unique, redemptive, historical event, the virgin birth through Mary that's never going to repeat it. John the Baptist is what? He's the voice crying in the wilderness, make way for the Lord. That's never to be repeated. And, and so, so, okay. So uh, they're the, the women, Mary, and Jesus' brother. Let's talk about each of those categories just, just, for, just for a moment. Uh, the women, these likely are the same women that Luke has been tracking all the way from when he makes that first reference that there were certain women that followed Jesus and they provided for their needs and the apostles. And we see these women at the, at the crucifixion. We see them at the burial. 
Luke is the one that makes a point to say he mentions those women that they observe where the tomb was and the burial. And then in the resurrection account, it's Luke that shows us the women were the first to see the resurrected Christ. So I, I'm, I'm fairly sure the reason Luke is carrying these women and names them in places is because they are eyewitnesses. They are eyewitnesses. I've just read a, uh, an amazing study on the names. Why are some figures named in our Gospels and others are not? Why the two blind beggars that Jesus healed, Bartimaeus is named, but the other one is not. And there's a number of places like that. And, and the, uh, the author of this book built a case. I think he built a pretty good case is what's going on there is the ones that are named were alive and people who he was writing to would know who they are. So he includes their names because he knows the early readers of those Gospels, of the Gospel of Mark and those Gospels, they will know who they're referring to. And, and, so, and, and with Luke, it's kind of doubly significant because these women are eyewitnesses and you could go find them. In other words, you could track these women down. You know, they were eye, they're eyewitnesses. So, so Luke here, again, these women are, are with them. Uh, <clears throat> and Mary, the mother, the, Mary Jesus' mother is there. This is, the, this is the final reference to Mary in, in the Bible. Uh, we... Uh, we have no other. We have no other references uh, to to Mary. We do, though, to her other sons. Now, let's see the brothers. Yeah, and her brothers. So, um, and his being Jesus's and and his brothers. Let's talk about this for a minute. The unbelief of Jesus's brothers. We studied that in the Gospels in Mark chapter three, John chapter seven. You. You see their unbelief. And perhaps Jesus' resurrection appearance to James, Jesus appeared to James, uh, and uh, that's in 1 Corinthians 15. We won't go there. We've been there. Uh, Jesus' resurrection appearance to James perhaps was responsible for the conversion also of Jesus' other brothers, Joseph, Judas. There's another Judas, okay? <laughs> another And Simon. Oh, by the way, Simon was another Maccabean warrior. It was, they were sons, all of the same family. Matt, I think they were Matthias. They were sons of Matthias' family, which is the guy. And, and he had like four sons, and they were all military heroes. Simon and Judas are names of, of his Matthias' sons. And they they were they were heroes. Um, so here's an, here's another Judas, one of Jesus's brothers. Um, now, what's uh, I think you know significant here is is um, James. What what's going to happen to James, the Lord's brother? No, you got your. This is the James is James, the Lord's brother, is going to become. He's going to become the leader of the Jewish church after the apostles are gone. James, the Lord's brother. Now, it's the other James, the son of Zebedee, who's martyred. Yeah, but this James 
is going to become the leader of the, Jer- the Jerusalem church. And so, who wrote the book of James? The Lord's brother. Not the son of Zebedee. The Lord's brother. The leader of the Jerusalem church wrote the book of James. Okay? And we're going to come across James in, in, in the book of Acts, especially in Acts chapter 15 in a few places. So that's uh, one of Jesus' brothers. And then there are three others who are named here, right? They are named. No, they're not named here and with his brothers. Now, I, I hear a true confession of someone who's been teaching the Bible for, well, oh, 46 years. There was a phrase today that I had never thought about. And it was mentioned in passing by a commentator I was reading on this. And he made this statement. The Lord's brothers were acknowledged alongside the apostles as a distinctive group. It doesn't say they're apostles, but they were acknowledged as a distinctive group in the Christian community. 1 Corinthians 9, 5. And I read that reference and I was a complete blank. What is he talking about? Paul mentions it in passing. Do not we have a right to take along a believing wife as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas? Right there. I, I never, I never, I, you could have asked me that on a Bible challenge or whatever the game is, is true or false, I would have said, if you asked me, you know, are the brothers of the Lord kind of classified in the, in the, I don't know, Jerusalem church leadership or something? I would have said no. <laughs> and uh, anyways, Paul is writing to the Corinthians here, and just Paul mentions it. So do, do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord, and who's Cephas? Peter. Peter. Boy, that guy's got a lot of names. <laughs> and Cephas is the Aramaic for rock that, 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 or stone. Okay, so that's another name, another name for Peter. Peter. Simon Cephas. Okay. So there it is. So 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 in this upper room for those ten days, we got Mary with her other four sons, and we got and we've got the uh, eleven apostles, and we, and we have more than that. We're gonna we're going to find out. So <clears throat> let's see. We're on page yeah two seventy one now on the left hand column. Uh, so, restoring the twelve, calling Matthias, um, I think I'm saying that right, Matthias, I don't know. So, at this point in our account, uh, the group in that upper room seems to be only 16 people, right? Yeah, 11 plus Mary plus four, okay, 11 plus five. Right now, it seems like there's only 16 people in the upper room. But we're surprised when we read verse 15 here, here in Acts 1, 
Okay, so they all continue forever. Okay, and in those days, in those now we know, in those ten days, okay, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Although, and now Luke, you know, fesses up here. He gives a bit of an explanation. Um, in the midst of the disciples, although the number of the names altogether. Altogether, the number of the names was about a 120. So now you begin wondering, how big is the upper room? <laughs> or, or is this the same place that they did this? I, we don't know. But, so, but, but now there's 120 disciples there. Uh, so that kind of surprises us. And Peter stood up and he says, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now, we're going to skip over Judas's death Luke interrupts his account of what Peter's saying here, and he talks about Judas. Now, this man purchased a field and so forth, but we're going to just follow Peter through, and then we'll back up to this account next week. Uh, For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. And now in verse 20, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it. And, and this is what Peter's keyed on, and let another take his office, okay? So this is quite a prophecy about Judas, isn't it? It's another one of those examples that tells you the New Testament's inspired, right? (laughs) This psalm talks about this figure who's going to betray the Messiah, and the psalm actually says, let another take his office. This figure back on that psalm occupies some office. So anyways, it's, it, you know, it's just how Scripture fulfills its own prophecy. So, <clears throat> and let another his office take. Therefore, therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord was with us, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day that he was taken up from us. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So uh, there's something else you're learning here is you're learning what the requirements of an apostle. Okay? Okay. Uh, and, and a requirement for this office is to have have seen the risen Christ. So, so we've got like a requirement here for what really makes a true apostle. That's a bit of a sideline, but it, it just came to me. And so that office needs to be fulfilled. There needs to be 12. And Lord willing, next week we're going to talk why there has to be 12. Okay? The, obviously, that number is significant. And the Lord wants that number restored, doesn't he? We're down to 11, but the number needs to be 12. And so they're going to call uh, Peter. Oh, by the way, Peter is 
is doing what he's supposed to be doing here. Okay? Some people that have gotten hung up on a precision that sometimes isn't in Scripture have said, Peter shouldn't have done this because Paul is number 12. And the Lord himself chose who would take his office. And Peter shouldn't have done this. Well, no, no. Peter is doing what he's supposed to do. And, and uh, well, I'll say something else about that. So I don't know if any of you have ever heard that. But, yeah, that, that's out there. That No, Peter is, is not gone astray here. He's, he's leading. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to do here, right? He stands up in the midst of all of them. And he says, we need to take care of this. Because we're going to be witnesses of his resurrection. And that's what he says. We need, we need another one. What must become a witness with us of, of Jesus' resurrection. So, uh, so Peter is, is doing that. Um, <clears throat> now, so what's exciting about this is Peter has learned how to interpret the Old Testament from Jesus himself. Remember what Jesus has just been teaching them? That all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law and the prophets of Moses, in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Peter is doing what Jesus has been instructing them this previous 40 days. He, what? He opened their mind to understand the scriptures and, and Jesus has been teaching them that all things that are written must be fulfilled. And Peter's now aware, what? Let another his office take. So, so uh, Peter's gotten it, okay? Um, so during the, those 40 days, Jesus has been teaching them, opening their minds to understand the Old Testament. And here we see the first fruits of Jesus' instruction. And such is also clearly on display when we see Peter preach his first sermon on the day of Pentecost. That whole sermon is riveted to Old Testament text when Peter preaches that sermon, you say. And so he is now understanding. I mean, if you could enter into it, can you imagine? I mean, they must be like excited out of their socks because they're looking at this Old Testament and how Jesus is fulfilling, bing, 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 bing. And Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he starts preaching. He quotes from a psalm. He quotes from Psalm 2. He quotes from Psalm 110. He, quote, he quotes from Psalm 16 about uh, not seeing corruption. He, he, I mean, he's got it, okay? And, and, of course, on the day of Pentecost... The Holy Spirit is doing exactly what the promise was. He will bring to your remembrance all things that I said. So, so right here is the beginning. So Peter goes to that psalm, let another his office take. And uh, Peter knows requirements for this office is someone who's been with them from the beginning, meaning the baptism of John, to the ascension. So... Uh, he knows that. So let's see. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so there were two men among the 120. Verse 23. 
and they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice. Okay, he's got three names. <laughs> okay, his name is Joseph. Now, why is Joseph such a popular name? <laughs> right. <laughs> Joseph uh, in Egypt and, and all of that. So Joseph is obviously a popular name. Barsabas, I don't know how popular that name is. That book I read goes through every one of these names, and it shows which ones were popular or not in first century Palestine. And I can't help but say it. The scripture, every time the scripture gets attacked, the church, God raises up somebody to study the attack and we come out stronger. This thing I'm telling you about the names, some have attacked the names in the gospels that they're made up. This is a fictitious account and they just chose these names. Okay? And this author Somebody else did this study. They went through all the Palestinian names in all the literature they could find from like 100 B.C. to 100 A.D. And the frequency of the usages of those names. And guess what? The names that are in our Gospels plop down perfectly. These are, these are real names of real people that lived in Palestine in and in Judea, in that region, and in the dispersion, these are real Jewish names of those centuries. They're not, they're not made up names. Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> all right. So they proposed to jo- Joseph called, um, Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. So this kind of surprises us. These guys have been there since John the Baptist. And we've not known it. They have been with Jesus and the other apostles that whole time. And of course, that just tells us that we have selective accounts. When these men wrote these Gospels, they couldn't put everything in, right? You know, we don't have a thousand-page Gospel to read. And so they're very selective. But there were other disciples that were with Jesus the whole time. And, and out, of the, out of the 120 that are there, they, they come up with these two men that have been there the whole time. I, 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 think, it's, I think it's pretty cool. So, uh, so they select those two. And, uh, and yeah, someone said it's possible that they were among the 70 maybe, that Jesus sent out? And, and how many of these 120 could have been among the 70? It's possible, right? Uh, yeah, I, I would think that's actually likely that those among the 70 that, that Jesus had sent out are probably, some of them are probably in this 120. Uh, so, well, they used common sense to determine which, which men met the requirement and they came up with two, and so when their sources of knowledge were exhausted and they could not determine which disciple, they prayed and they cast lots. Verse 24 through 26. Okay, so they had two, and they prayed and said, Lord, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen 
to take part in this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast lots, and a lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven. He was numbered with the eleven apostles. So that's how, how we got Matthias. So. Okay, and don't anybody ask me about casting lots. Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> uh, so there, there we are. Uh, I, it's six minutes to eight, so I, I can't stretch it out any, any further. But I hope I didn't stretch it out with meaningless filler. But, but we, we could go on some sidetracks there about the names and, and, and different things. So do you have uh, things you'd like to add or, or comments? Brian? Just a small one about when you go through the book of Acts that uh, the layout of uh, Paul's epistles are in order of a largest to smallest. Um, oh. So that's just a yeah. obvious uh, organization that has nothing to do with chronology or yeah. anything. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize that. But in our New Testament, not yeah, they're the largest to the smallest. Yeah. You know, someone else said uh, another theory, uh, but that, the data seems to support that. But someone, you know, we all love the book of Romans. And some have said, well, the reason the early church packaged it with Romans as the first is because they believed it was the most important. <laughs> or what you need to know first. You know, just begin with Romans. We kind of feel that way too, don't we, at times? Like, you see that with Colossians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colossians and, yeah, so. But but they are, I, I had never, I, I never realized that. But now that I'm thinking, yeah, so. Okay, Any anybody else with a question or, or, or a comment? Absolutely. She's got a praise. Give her the microphone. <laughs> um, Put it close. Our dear sister Marge is going to back to her apart, uh, apartment at assisted living tomorrow. Oh, excellent. Yeah. They said that they've given her, she said she's had physical therapy and yeah. occupational therapy and she's, oh. she's doing great and she's yeah. sounding good. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And boy, I, I, we appreciate, you know, when we as elders hear you guys, you know, just doing stuff like that, you, you have no idea how encouraging that is to your leaders when, you know, when we don't have to, you know, when you guys step in and, and, and especially with, with our, or with our elderly. And we got a new, we got a new worker joining in the ranks there. Uh, Miss Mrs. Mrs. Peterson here is is joining those ranks. So uh, she's a new member. Uh, we're going to introduce you uh, this Lord's Supper. I thought she was right. a Peterson. What's that? Peterson. Oh, Sandy. We Peterson. have another praise too at Stelma's birthday today. That's right. We sang happy birthday to her yesterday, and so we are going to do this. Okay, Let, okay. I'll I'll pray and and then and then and then and then we'll sing. Yes, you surely can.
birthdays is good the whole month. It's what? It's good for the whole month. Oh, it's month. good for you want us to sing your birthday every day this month? Of course. Happy birthday? <laughs> of course. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> you know what? I'm only 48. You're only 48, right? No, I was born 1948. 48. Oh, okay. That that's that's cute. Well, I could say I'm only 54. Sure. <laughs> No, I'm, well, anyway. Okay, Let, let's pray, and, and then Brian will lead us, and we'll sing. Uh, Father, we, we thrill as we see your works uh, here uh, in Acts uh, chapter 1. And uh, Lord, uh, <clears throat> give us that, that uh, dependence to pray as they prayed there, Lord, and, and the example that, that they set <clears throat> for us. And, and Lord, we do, we do ask for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, our words are nothing. Uh, your words, Lord, are powerful. We thank you that, that we have your words and that we can sow the seed. But Father, we cannot water the seed. Uh, we can't make any, any, any of the seed grow. Only your Holy Spirit pours out the water, and we're, we're grateful you poured that water out on our hearts when we have heard the gospel, or finally at the time when we heard it maybe the hundredth time or whatever, and you poured out the water. We pray that, that you do that uh, for your own glory and, and for your mercy's sake. Uh, so many around us are lost and uh, we have family members that don't know you, Lord. And so have mercy on us and on them. We thank you for one another. We thank you for the praises that, that we, we have just heard. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.